Every entrepreneur has a story. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, where each episode, your host, Brian Carney, will share a drink with a successful business owner and have them discuss their unique journey, gaining insight on what it takes to be an entrepreneur and different ways to get there. Brian isn't just a beer nerd. He's also the co-founder of River's Edge Advisors, a financial planning firm headquartered in Delaware, specializing in working with business owners. It's time to pour yourself a drink and enjoy a happy half hour with an entrepreneur. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur. I am your host, Brian Carney. My guest today is Greg Starr, the founding partner of Carvertize, an idea that started in college and that is now a multi-million dollar, incredibly unique advertising company. Greg, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Excited to be here. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you. Now, you mentioned that you, you're coming off a of vacation and uh, you're, you're not in a place where you can, you can have a beer, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push through for the both of us. All right. So my sister-in-law has a dog rescue business out of the woods in New Jersey, and she went down to North Carolina to pick up like 15 dogs. And she brought me back a beer from Raleigh from Trophy Brewing Company, and it's called Cloud Surfer. So I'm going to give that a try today while we talk. Thanks for picking up the slack for both of us. You I'm got in, it. Uh, I'm in no shape. So. <laughs> well, I think we can all respect that. So, um, well, let's start. Tell us a little bit about Carvertize. Yeah, Carvertize is uh, essentially, we look at ourselves as the next kind of logical um, medium of advertising that kind of taxis and buses pioneered. You know, we're essentially taking, hey, you've had ads on taxis for decades, you've had ads on buses for decades, you know, rideshare is that kind of next wave. And so what we're doing is we're kind of pioneering the space of placing ads on rideshare vehicles. So Uber, yeah. Lyft, DoorDash, Grubhub, Amazon Flex drivers, and it's a nice win-win. I mean, these are people that, you know, uh, they essentially own their own companies, right? They're mini entrepreneurs. They're right. driving around all day. And we're saying, hey, you're already driving. Uh, you're interacting with people. Um, you're, you're smart. Like, here's a nice way to make easy passive income just get your car wrapped for a company that, you know, you like and support and that needs advertising in your area. And so we're the kind of uh, bridge between companies who want to advertise and drivers who want an extra money uh, for just, for just driving like they normally would. So uh, I, that's pretty interesting and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys came up with this idea before the rideshare uh, apps were really popular. So what was sort of the first generation of Carvertize and how, how has that sort of morphed perfectly with, you know, the new quote unquote gig economy? Yeah. First it was like, what if we just paid people to put ads on cars? Okay. Know, ads on like, and it was like car, you know, you talk to small business owners and they'd have their own car wrapped or they'd have, they'd have a fleet of trucks wrapped and they would swear by it. You know, yeah. Like, Oh yeah. It's my best advertising is my trucks or my cars. And so we knew that, that it worked, but there wasn't really a, a kind of a mechanism for like, why can't any company have a fleet of cars out there? You know, right. instead of buying, it's super expensive. Like, it's just like buying advertising in, on TV or whatever. So um, it was that concept that that it grew from. And then where we benefited a lot from was the rise of Uber and Lyft, you yeah. know, and the economy. And then, it, you know, that started getting big. And then also the rise of technology. So we were, you know, we're able to track and provide analytics on how the campaign is going. So that that technology piece has really, um, you know, allowed us to kind of build a company uh, and and allowed us to show ROI to our, our clients who yeah. are like nervous to try something something different. 
Um, so a lot of factors kind of, we were, we were very fortunate to kind of do this at, at the right time. Well, I think, I, I think a lot of times when we talk about marketing, I think sometimes people confuse marketing and branding. And when you have the ability to, to use data to show someone the ROI on the, on the investment that they've made, that's a little bit different than saying like, yeah, people are going to see you and then they're going to know you, but that doesn't necessarily you know, lead to more business. So that technology piece has to be huge. How did you sort of crack the code on that? Just years of getting feedback, you know, if, you know, if you get someone who's asking you the same question as 10 other people, it's like, we really need to find out an answer to this. So, um, you know, like, like most things, it takes time. Um, and again, because the technology has been developed to solve this problem, um, we were, we were fortunate in that time period, but there, there is also a place for like branding and marketing go hand in hand. Um, yeah. I think the best marketers understand that you track what you can, but not everything can be tracked. Good point. You know? Yeah. And absolutely. so it's, it's good marketing is a blend of creativity and data, but to just market for data, you're, you're like, you can't have robots running your marketing department. Like that's not what, it's not how you build brands. It's not how you, um, you know, create stunning campaigns that separate you from your competition. So it's a mix. You yeah. Know? That's a great point. I think if you're, you know, if you're sort of using the data analytics, as the sole reason to do your marketing, you might end up with sort of like sterile campaigns. Is that a fair way to say it? Well, data doesn't always tell a full story. Like, um, you know, if you're just saying, hey, I just, I'm, I'm tracking clicks, yeah. um, but then not a lot of stuff's converting. It's like, well, what does that mean? And so it, it's all just part of the picture. But when you do know, and the most advanced marketers in the country, you know, Apple, Netflix, they, like they, they all know that right branding is important like coke pepsi mcdonald's like there's a reason you see them everywhere because they know that uh they you need visibility you need brand recognition um and that's all part of the buying funnel yeah um, so i guess when i when i say that it's not just like bottom of the, like there, there is a place for branding and advertising and what we do is we provide that branding and advertising but we also uh enable valuable data points that help you tell if it's, if it's doing more than just branding. Right. Which is, which is, I think why we found so much success. Yeah, absolutely. And so take me back to the beginning. So this is an idea. How does this even get started? How, wh where does this idea come from? How, you know, sort of take me back to the inception of the company. Yeah. So, so Max started the company. We were both in college, um, incorporated it and he presented the idea at a class I was in. And he was like, yeah, ads on cars. And like, I knew him from a prior, it was actually the day after, like the Monday or Tuesday after we had like partied together for the first time. <laughs> and we played, we played Super Smash Brothers in 64. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's the guy I was at beating Smash. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, life, right? So Super Smash Brothers has been a really important part of my upbringing. But um, <laughs> yeah, we met and I, I just thought it was such a like a no brainer. And I was you know, really infatuated with the concept and, you know, I liked Mac and I was like, hey, any help? Let me just let me help. And, um, you know, we worked on it, you know, senior year of college. And then fortunately, by the time I graduated, no one would hire me. So took part time jobs um, around Delaware. You know, Mac was selling furniture out of his grandfather's house. I worked for Junior Achievement of Delaware. I tutored, I recorded music concerts. And, you know, we just, we just hustled. We were lucky to kind of be in Delaware where, um, you know, people were very nice and supportive and 
Um, I think a key thing for us is we knew we couldn't make it happen by just like sitting behind a computer and hoping for the best. Right. So we were just very aggressive about like networking and would talk to anyone who would take a meeting with us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you just, we made a list of people, Googled important people in Delaware and then started reaching out to different, like this guy, Alan Levin came up, uh, yeah. you know, who happened to be the cabinet secretary at the time and CEO of Happy Harry's who sold it. And, you know, he took a meeting with us and he put us in touch with the local shop, right? Chris Kenny, they took a shot. All of a sudden we had our first real client and then we got another client. And then that crazy story of how we got financing from yeah. a guy in North Carolina. And then before you know it, it's like, okay, we're doing $200,000 a year in revenue and we can pay ourselves a $1,500 a month stipend. Yeah. And you know, you just, the years of 2014 to 2016, we just like, just kind of like blacked out. Like that right. was just like a mess, you know? Um, yeah. Well, that's, that's, you know, you know, you, you did the old school grind it, you know, you just grinded it out, you know, talking to anybody and shooting your shot. So I, I will say the one thing that I find fascinating about Delaware, and obviously I've never lived anywhere else, but I do feel like in Delaware, elected officials are super accessible, you know, and quote unquote, important people in Delaware are super accessible. So you Google a list, you email a guy who owns tons of, you know, uh, of pharmacies. I still call Walgreens Happy Harry's, by the way. And you end up getting a meeting with them. So you think that this could have worked differently if you didn't start in Delaware? I think it could have worked differently, but I think, I think we were very lucky to be in Delaware. And I'll tell you why, because I think if we were in a bigger market like New York City or San Fran or you know, Austin or whatever, we would have raised too much money. Yeah. So we would have gone there and been like, oh, we're this cool tech company. And we would have you know, raised all this money and we would have went like this and then like this. Yeah. Because we were way too early to be accepting serious investor money. Right. Um, and what Delaware did for us is it forced us to like, be so fundamentally sound and grow through your clients and develop mentors who are like, stop living in a fairy tale. Like business doesn't work like how Uber built their company. Like that's, right. that's not what this is. You know, and then another part of me is like, we're, we're kind of just so stubborn. Like we could have seen this through anywhere. Yeah. Um, I think starting Delaware was such a, such a blessing. Yeah. Um, and the community has been great. And, um, you know, it's so small. It's so small in the sense that like, once you get one person, you can kind of get plugged into the entire scene. And um, it's a great test market. Like, so for us, for example, you know, we, we're a B2B, we sell to companies to advertise. So once we were able to get, you know, Wilmington University on board, we're able to go to Community College of Philadelphia, right? Yep. And so right there, you have a, a case study in Delaware that you can use to go to other states and replicate that in different places. So um, like the Delaware Tourism Office was one of our first clients. And, you know, now we work with Visit St. Pete, right. which is one of the biggest, you know, tourism places in the country. So starting in Delaware was really, really great. And then you got to meet guys like Mark Doty. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, to, to your point, you know, speaking of someone like Mark, who's, a, you know, sort of a classic connector, I do feel like people here really root for other people here and are eager to introduce you to other people that can help you you know, just because people want to see you succeed. Uh, and I don't know, you know, it could be like that elsewhere, but it seems a lot less cutthroat and a lot more friendly here than it is in, in other places like New York or San Francisco, where, you know, it's more of a, 
hey, try to raise as much money as you possibly can, blow this thing up as, as much as you can and sell it as fast as you can. So I, I, I do think there is something to that. You know, it's interesting. When I started out, we started out, one of my jobs was um, working for Junior Achievement of Delaware, and I had to sell sponsorships in Cecil County, Maryland. And so like, I don't know anything about Cecil County. I'm from right. New York. Right? I was like, so I'm like, okay, so I'm going to, well, all I know is to show up places. So I show up to Cecil County and I remember going to a networking event on a goat farm. And then I, I started serving on their, like, their, like the Chamber of Council's Government Affairs Committee. And I go there and I'm, you know, like 21, I'm just like, really out of place but I go there and I'm just listening and, and what I'm hearing from them is like you know Cecil County we do things differently here you know it takes time we value relationships I'm like okay and then you know I eventually get fired from that job at junior achievement <laughs> now like I'm spending my time in, in Wilmington I'm going to events and I'm meeting people in Delaware and they're like you know we we do things differently here in Delaware we you know we value relationships and I'm like okay and then I fast forward three or four years later I'm in Philly um, we're starting to expand and I'm going around Philly and they're like, you know, Philly's a different kind of town. Like they really, it's really important to get relationships. <laughs> um, so to your, to your point, I think it's more human nature. Yeah. The idea that people want to do business with people they like and, you know, every city is unique. It's up to you to understand that it's unique and, and listen and kind of pay your dues. Um, but I think where, where Delaware was unique was just the, the remarkable people in the business community who, um, had such great skill sets and, and were so willing to help. So I, I think we would have got plugged in other places, but honestly, the talented amount of people we were able to meet with here is, is like, it's just amazing. Yeah, for, I agree. Totally. Now, so you go to college to be, to, and you, you study economics. So how does an economics major end up owning an advertising company? How does that transition happen? Number one. And number two, did you always want to be an entrepreneur or did it just sort of happen? Yeah, I don't, you know, it's like, I, sometimes you're like, what's that song? How did I get here? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I went to college, like I, I was very impacted by the recession in 08. My mother lost her job. And so I was very interested in creating economic opportunity for people. So I got really into that and studied that. Then as you get closer, you're like, there's really no jobs in that though. So like, I understand how things work and, but like, what am I like, am I going to be an economist? I know it's math. I was like, yeah. I don't know. Um, and then, yeah, I met Mac and like, you know, I just felt like this was a really good idea. And like, to me, I, something that I don't know if I was always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but what I, what I didn't know is like, I didn't want to spend my time uh, working that felt like work. Like I yeah. wanted to, it's a, there's a phrase, be at play, right. Be in flow. And so just, I just like, you know, like I was very in flow and it was all about prioritized penguin ads and, and I got lucky because like no one would hire me. So like parents were like, find a real job. I was like, I'll try and can do that. <laughs> you know, it's just like, let me give this a shot. And, you know, I was like, I was 21 when I graduated. I was like, well, if you give it five years, like what's the worst that could happen? You're 26. And then you're still young. You and, a lot of, yeah. yeah. You got a, a lot of experience and you know, whatever. Um, so I, I don't know, but I, I always did like, I, one thing that did motivate me was like, I, I would always like observe things and not speak up about them and think like, oh, this person should be doing that like this. Or like if I was leading this and running this, I would do it this way. And, yeah. like, and then, I, you know, that Teddy Roosevelt quote being in the arena, it was like, I remember reading that one day and it was like, just like, like you're just a critic. Like just do something, do something. I think you could do this stuff. So just like do it. And so that's when, when I met Mac and we started working together, I was like, this is that opportunity to like do something, you know, and put, you know, 
I don't have, um, I mean, there's a reason I couldn't find a job. It's like the skill set I had did not translate into the corporate world. Right. But I have other skills that, you know, when it's just me and Mac, like, it's like you get, you're free to express yourself. And, and then like, we were just, we were just willing to like put in the work. Like that was yeah. the main thing. It's like a lot of people, like they, they love the glory and the accolades and like, Oh, it's an entrepreneur. It's like, it's, it's miserable. Like yeah. it's not fun you're not doing it for money. Like you're, you're doing it cause you like solving problems and yeah, right on the path. So that's where a lot of people fail. It's like, come back to me in five years. Yeah. You know, like I hate to say it like that, but like you're going to do something, you need to put at least five to 10 years into it before it even gets to something. You know, that's a really interesting point you bring up. And I, I was just talking to a guy who's, you know, he, he's like sort of a podcasting legend in the financial planning world. And he talks about how, most businesses are like an iceberg. When you see you on stage winning awards, that's the ice part of the iceberg that is, you know, poking through the through the uh, through the water, right? What's below the water is, first of all, way bigger, way more. You know, there's way more stuff going on under there, and it's the driving to Gary, Indiana, in the middle of the night on Good Friday, or it's you know moving to New York to set up a uh, you know uh, to to try to do sales up there. It's the grinding part of it that nobody sees. Everyone sort of sees the the top part of the iceberg, and everyone's like, "Oh, I want to be able to do that." Well, it takes everything that's underneath of it to be able to get there, and I, I feel like that's kind of the experience that you've gone through as well. Yeah, I mean, we you know we've been through it. We're still going through it. Like right this point it's just part of it's part of it yeah it's part of you and i gave a lot of credit to mac too mac is like very like he can take a lot of pain right you can anytime you're doing something you create a lot of friction you know it's like it's like metals rubbing together so like weird stuff happens yeah when you're pushing uh new and so it takes a lot of like just you just gotta want it it's like you're playing pick a basketball what do you want on your team it's like you just the guys who want it and rebound play defense you know, like you just don't want to go up against them. As cheesy as that sounds, like it's so much less about intelligence or it's just who wants it more. Yeah, it, it, it that's such a great point. Well, let's, since we talked about Mac, so Mac is, for those of you who don't know, Mac is Greg's business partner. And tell me what you do for the company versus what Mac does. And then kind of, t- you know, talking about what it's like to have a business partner, because not everyone has that experience and there's highs and lows with that relationship. So, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'd say uh, we, there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Um, but I'd, I'm a little more front of the house at this point, which is sales and marketing. Okay. Mac is a little more back of the house, um, which is ironic because Mac is much more charismatic <laughs> and like a bigger personality. And when we started the company, that was how it, I thought it would be me in the back of the house, Mac in the front. Yeah. But it just worked out this way. You know, yeah, I'm not, not really sure why, but I think what makes Mac, me and Mac work together is well, one, there's 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 a level of respect uh, we have, and there's an understanding we both just want what's best for the business. So your ego is is out of the way, like that's an important thing. Yep. Um, so it's like you need, you need like a first like just an understanding that like you respect each other and like you can't let you get in the way. So that, that way, like you can work through uh, challenges. And but we also just we're vastly vastly different. Like Mac will come at a problem like here. And I'll be like, like, that is, I'll be like, how did you even get to that? Point? Yeah. 
I could have sat here for two days thinking about it. I would never come to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be over here. And then we find the answer is usually somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So I think the fact that we think very differently is helpful. And, you know, Mac just brings the energy. Like Mac is like a force of nature. And, you know, we just, it's like you just, there's great partnerships. I was reminded of me and Mac's partnership when I read the book on Hamilton. I saw a lot of similarities between how Hamilton and George Washington work together and how Mac worked. I'm not, I'm not comparing us to them, but like, yeah, for sure. it's just, it's very similar. Yeah. It's not quite by the book. This person's more creative. This person's more numbers. It's not as clean as that. It's more of like style of thinking and energy levels that are able to kind of uh, mesh very well together based on that foundation of mutual respect, you know, but it's a thing, you know, and it's taken 10 years to work out. Yeah. You know, and, you know, there's ups and downs and so like anything. I love the the idea. And I actually think the best business partnerships come from people who think completely differently, but you tackle a problem completely different, but you still have the same plan and the direction for the where you want to take the business. So everything you're all, you know, you're working together, but you're coming at it with two different minds. I also think a partnership can be sort of like a marriage where you spend a lot of time with your business partner and you fight. I use that in air quotes, but not necessarily uh, a lot about different things. So long way to say the fact that you're both able to check your egos, I think is really a huge part about any successful business. I think too many business owners get wrapped up in their ego and getting quote unquote credit for certain things. So how have you guys been able to to sort of do that? Because I don't think that comes naturally to a lot of people that are hard driving type A entrepreneurs. Yeah. Pat Riley always talked about the disease of more, you know, once you start, things start going well, everyone wants more. Yeah. And, you know, that always just stuck with me of like, you know, remove the ego from yourself and don't worry about who gets the credit. Yeah. And what matters the most is building and just focus on what you can, can like, you know, cheesy Bill Belichick quotes, you know, and it just becomes, it becomes a part of you. And yeah. I meditate a lot, which huh. helps kind of separate myself from the thoughts of wanting more and anger and everyone has thoughts, but it's your actions that dictate you know, the outcomes. So being able to separate the ego, which is angry and irrational and always wanting more versus like the self, which is who you are in your soul. And, you know, just sticking more with with that side of things, the the yin to yang. And and that's how I manage at least, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, a little spiritual there, but. I think that's a huge part of it because you need some sort of outlet to be able to, first of all, shut your mind off in a way that it's not constantly on, I think that's a struggle. And to be able to kind of meditate and figure out what's important to you. And I, I do think the thing that has come up constantly on this podcast, and, and it really comes up with that disease of more, I think a lot of people chase money. And once you get to a certain level of money, you go, okay, well, like, what's the big deal? I made X amount of dollars. Now what? Right. And I think that being able to sort of shut that part off and like enjoy the process of building a company is really what ends up turning a regular idea or a regular company into a successful one. Yeah. Have you ever read the book Shoe Dog? Yes. By, uh, yeah. Phil Knight. It's like one of the greatest stories. And yeah, it is. CEO for like 50 years. Like he's not, you just, you like, you like it. You like the challenge, the building the pieces and, and the great businesses are around for a long time. That's the yep. other thing too. I makes things so much easier. Yeah. Like it's just getting the infrastructure built out as like takes like seven years. Right. Just like when, when should we have company meetings? 
what should we do for payroll? Like stuff like that, that like you never even think about. Yeah. It takes so long. How do we hire people? So once you like have that foundation set and then like you can really start new ideas, testing things, hiring better people, you can pay people more. Yep. It goes back to marketing is so important. You know, like we like, it's so important to tell your story 10 times to everyone who hears it because there's so much other noise. I think along those lines, you guys have done an outstanding job of marketing Carver Ties. You know, as leaders in the community, you know, what you do, you guys win tons of awards, you're on panels, you're always talking about Carver Ties. And I think that really, for an advertising company, I know I see you all the time, right? And I think that is your practice and what you preach. So I think that's a huge thing that you guys have done an incredible job. How have you been able to be so successful at doing that? I think part of it is we didn't know any better. Yeah. Like we just, we didn't come from an established background. I was a camp counselor. Mac was a telemarketer. You know, I, I give Mac a lot of credit. Mac was like, I was very against marketing at first. I was like, I don't like, I don't like talking about myself. I'm like, attention. <laughs> and Mac was like in the opposite. He was like a big personality, like, you know, big figure. But what he convinced me of was that it's just, it's just pragmatic. It's pra- It's like you're doing yourself a disservice and the company disservice if you're not actively promoting yourself yeah. um, and the company. And if we're going to be leaders in advertising and marketing, we better become experts and show others that like, this is how it's done. You yeah. know, like I, I look at executives of other companies who don't brand themselves well, and I feel like they're behind, you know, yeah. if you're leading an organization now and you are not on the cutting edge of being able to tell your company's story, your employee's story, getting people to buy into what you're doing, building a community. Like those are, those are traits now of called a modern executive that are essential. I think like anything, it took years of just messing around, trying it, not caring what people think. And, you know, it's great to hear people say we're all over. Like that's, that's very gratifying to know that we are in the periphery of people's Awesome. I'd imagine if you own an advertising company and you say you have people coming up to you go say, I see you guys everywhere. That means you've won. You know, that means you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. I want to jump to one thing in, you know, doing some research for, for our interview today. I listened to you on a podcast and you talked about something that's sort of near and dear to my heart. And then it led into another thing that's really near and dear to my heart is I think the art of simplicity is lost now. And you have sort of a, a mantra might be too strong of like keeping things really simple. And then you pair that with storytelling where people really resonate with a simple story. So talk about where that came from and how you sort of developed that over the, over your course, over the course of time. It's come from the fact that I have a very short attention span. Uh, so like, I'm thinking like, what, what do I have to, like, if something's interesting to me, yeah. It's definitely interesting to other people because <laughs> like, I can't like, you know, like let's do this podcast for an hour. I'm like, how about a half hour? Like, yeah. I just can't like, yeah. I lose. That's just, and, and Mac is on the other end. Mac is very thorough. Mac can yeah. sit in like a two hour meeting and dive deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Yep. So I, I guess something that, that like triggers to me is like, if I'm talking about something in conversation with somebody, or if you're getting asked a question repeatedly, or you're, if, if you see a pattern yeah. In like your conversations, like that's usually a sign um, that like there's a narrative being formed. And I think I, you know, I think people nowadays, they don't read, they scroll. So you've got to, you've got like even less time to, to tell your story, make an impact. And that's where visuals also come in, you know? Yeah. Um, so 
yeah. And you've got to be interesting, yep. you know, like it can't be boring. You know, there's so many like company newsletters or company email blasts or like the communication that goes on right now. It's just, it feels corporate. Like it doesn't feel real. So even just the style of communication, the lettering, the font, uh, the grammar, um, like that stuff all matters to just capture attention. And, uh, and yeah. And so, you know, one thing, you know, Mac did was this mentor series, which was just brilliant. Like we'd meet with Alan Levin and he'd take a picture and post it on Facebook and talk about what a great guy Alan is. And he is. And hundreds of people would like, Oh my God, Alan's the best. Yeah. The greatest. Right. You know, and like, it's like you do that with 15 other people and all yeah. of a sudden it's like, that's a whole thing. So you just keep trying stuff. I don't know. No, I, I, I couldn't think more like you. So we're like cut from the same cloth. If you send me an email and it's a lot of words, I just won't read it. It has to be bulleted out. I need, you need to cut to the chase for me. I can't be reading, you know, an email for 15 minutes. So kudos to you. I, I think that you're definitely right about that. And being interesting is if you're somewhat interesting now and with the way that everyone communicates in the corporate way, you're really interesting because everyone else is boring. So, you know, that's sort of my two cents on that. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to tell the story about getting the website domain. Now we only have a few minutes left and I, and I saw Mac did an 18 minute Ted talk about this story which he told the story brilliantly, I might add. I was engaged the entire time. So, you know, tell us sort of the abridged version of how you got Carvertize.com. Yeah, so the company was called Penguin Ads at first. Mac was very insistent that the name of this industry is going to be Carvertize, car advertise. Yeah. It wasn't going to be Carvertize with a Z. It wasn't going to be Carvertize.net. It was going to be Carvertize.com. So Mac wants something, he usually gets it. And... <laughs> You know, we, we found the domain name owner who was, who was a dirt worshiper 9,000. So we started emailing him. Um, hey, we'd love to buy the domain name from you. And Hold on one uh, second. Dirt worshiper. Is that what you said? Yeah, dirt worshiper 9,000. <laughs> and started, you know, emailing this guy. This is, we're like in college at the time too. So we also thought we would use fake names just because like, it's like one of those, one of those things you're just like in college, you're like, I don't want him to know who we are. Um, it's fake names. We're having other mentor sent a letter and we finally get a response back. It was like, it was like $10,000. And we reply, like, we don't have that. We, we don't have any money. I take like, we just said, how about 8,000 just to like get him talking and see what happens. Then he goes cold again. And then like, this is like four or five months in and Max like, I've had it. Like, let's find out where this guy lives. Find out the value of his house. Finds out he lives in Cary, North Carolina. So this is Good Friday in uh, 2014. He's like, yeah, I'm going to drive down there. I was oh like, my God. you should bring your mom with you. Like, <laughs> mom's lovely, you know, and it might be like less intimidating if, you know, Max showing up there alone. It's like, well, bring your mom with you, you know, like. And so they drive down and they knock on his door. It's a 10 hour drive. No one's home. They get coffee. They come back. It's like 9.30, 9 o'clock. And then um, this big guy answers. Uh, it's like 6'2", 250. <laughs> Uh, Mac's like, Hey, I'm Mac. I travel this way to see you. He's like, Oh yeah, I've, I've seen your emails come in. And turns out this guy's like a multi millionaire many times over. Um, he bought and sold domain names in the early nineties. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. And, uh, dirt worshiper is a reference to Ross Perot. You know, oh, who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, he just thought he's like, yeah, I bought Carvertize because I think that one day people are going to advertise on cars and I want the domain name. And so he's like, $10,000 really doesn't do much for me. So a negotiation starts between Mac, uh, Dave Butler, and his mom. His mom is the mediator uh, during like an intense negotiation over how they get the, the domain name. And we end up getting from that um, Carvertize.com, the trademark name to Carvertize. And Dave Butler wrote a check that night for $50,000 for uh, for 5% of the company. And yeah, that, that's how we got the name Carvertize. And that's so yeah, insane that if you saw that happen in a movie, you'd be like, yeah, that's BS. Like, no way that happened. So he, Mac and his mother drive 10 hours or 12 hours down to Gary, North Carolina, knock on some random guy's door who's selling your web domain for 10,000 and the guy ends up giving you a check for 50 grand. Well, he wasn't even selling it for 10,000. He just, re he responded with 10,000 of them cold. So it was even more of a whim than that. It was like a complete, let's just go see this guy. Cause I can't get hold of him. Holy it's funny God. after that, people like asking for advice on how to get domain names. It's like, I mean, <laughs> you can show up to their door unannounced. Yeah, that worked for us. Oh, that's awesome. I love that story. It's so great. All right. Well, I got to ask you one final question since I know we're up against both of our attention spans. All right. I know you're a basketball player. What's the most points you scored in a basketball game ever? Uh, I think it was like 24 points in high school. Nice. I, so, had, I had six threes. Six cool. three, shooting guard. <laughs> yeah, it's point, point guard. Point guard. I love it. You <laughs> don't play. I do when I can. Let's say you get older, like it's hard to find a game and it's this. Yeah. Our, our company likes playing basketball too. At our um, like company retreat, we ended up playing pickup basketball. It was a ton of fun. That's awesome. I play every Saturday. Now um, I have to wear knee sleeves because my knees are, you know, I'm an old man. And I actually start, I look forward to it every single week so much that like if I play poorly, it, I don't want to say it ruins my weekend, but I think about how, how many shots I missed and whatnot. So uh, 24 points. Yeah, I, I love basketball. You can tell a lot about people's character by the way they play basketball. Yes. Like there's a whole thing about the way you play really mirrors in your life. You got well, guys that are just like so athletic and don't know their own limitations and are just jumping around everywhere. Yeah. You know, you got the big guys who want to just shoot threes and don't want to post up. Yep. It's just like, it's a whole, you got the guys who think they're irrationally good shooters and just like shoot every time. Shoot if you're hot or shoot till you get hot. As I, as we always say, yeah. it's funny. So you said when you, when you were talking earlier about how you can learn a lot about how, you know, how someone wants to win last week, we played four games. My team was Owen three. We were in the fourth game, literally diving on the floor, like trying to, we wanted to win so bad and we probably wouldn't have left unless we won. But uh, you're right. You can tell a ton about, I always tell my kids that if you want to see how athletic someone is, toss a basketball to them and watch them, watch them play. So that's awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed talking to you. If people want to learn a little bit more about you and Carvertize, where do they go? Uh, Carvertize.com. Uh, check us out on LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm Greg Starr on LinkedIn. Please go to Carvertize.com. They drove 10 hours to some random guy's house to get that. So that's really important. If you want to connect with me on the Untapped app so we can talk about the beers that I've been drinking, my username is brcarney7. To learn more about how our firm helps business owners with their financial planning, visit riversedgeadvisors.com. And finally, to hear past episodes of the podcast, go to happy-half-hour.com. Moment of truth. The beer that I drank for the both of us. Outstanding. 
Cloud Surfer Trophy Brewing Company from Raleigh, North Carolina. I give it a four and a half out of five. Definitely would drink it again. Greg, thank you so much for your time. I, I really enjoyed talking to you. Cheers. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening to Happy Half Hour with an Entrepreneur, sponsored by Rivers Edge Advisors. For more information on how Rivers Edge Advisors can help you, visit their website at riversedgeadvisors.com. If you'd like to connect with Brian Carney for business advice or just to share beer, follow him on Instagram at riversedgeadvisors underscore LLC.